Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always, and it's nice to be back after a very, very long international break that was only just a week in terms of footballing action, but nonetheless, it feels like eternity for any football fan, and especially for us Villa fans as well, because Villa are absolutely flying, and that has not changed, of course, because it's Aston Villa 4, West Ham United 1 at Villa Park. We'll get into the deeper context of things, but uh, of course, we are joined by Mr. Dom Phillips as well. So Dom, how's it going for you? I'm doing really well, Cole. I've had a great Sunday afternoon um, watching that, so I'm coming here on a high. How are you? I'm fantastic. And I mean, we might as well dive into kind of the opening subject for this one, because I was having a quick little think about this one as soon as the final whistle went. And I've always felt like when it comes to Villa and West Ham, whether it be the relegation fights that we've had early on coming back in the Premier League, and of course, hopefully hoping that either Dean Smith or Gerard would lead us to the promised land before. We always use West Ham as some sort of measure in terms of the next step going forward. Of course, they had their famous European nights last season and the Europa League before that. And we've always just kind of come up short at Oregon. To be honest, we've been whacked a few times as well in the last few years. We haven't beaten them in, what, I think um, 10 attempts or something like that prior to this one. The last one coming, I think, was it May 9th, 2015, the cleverly uh, 1-0 win to get that lone goal in that one. So long story short, Dom, I mean, it's been one that's been brewing. We've been waiting, and I mean, they've been our bogey side. But once again, that man, Sir, Lord, King, whatever you want to name him, Unai Emery, he's just... He slashed another hoodoo, voodoo, whatever you want to call it, hasn't he? He literally loves doing it. Every time I think, oh, God, we've got a curse here, you know, he just gets rid of it every single time. And then, he, and then he, you know, we've we've gone from having feeling like half the teams that we play are bogey teams to, you know, like we always seem to beat the likes of Crystal Palace and Brighton. Like we always seem to beat them. We're, we're becoming the team. We're becoming other people's bogey teams, Cole. It's really exciting. Um, yeah, it's obviously with the West Ham thing, it's just, again, even like when we stayed up on the last day, it felt like a win, but it wasn't actually a win. I remember when we first came up and we had the nil-nil where West Ham had the red card and we were like, we really needed to win that game. Um, so, I don't know. It's 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 a big win as well because obviously, as I'm sure we'll get into, the, the way that West Ham have started this season, and for me, the way in which West Ham beat Brighton was a really big, you know, sort of talking point going into the game where, if they're going to do that to Brighton, can they do that to Villa? Where there's a lot of comparisons that can be made between the two. And I think Unai Emery sort of showed, frankly, the golfing class. Well, absolutely. I think a lot of pundits and opposition fans and even neutrals kind of looked at this one and thought, well, you know what? Okay, Villa have smashed Brighton and West Ham beat them relatively comfortably, but with more of a, a physical presence. They definitely adapted their game to the way Brighton play. And I think a lot of people thought... West Ham would probably do the same to Villa, of course, traditionally for 
as long as I feel like I can remember, that's been the case. We just haven't been able to measure up to West Ham's physicality uh, today. Just it really didn't matter, did it? It was one of those games yeah. where Villa they had the possession, they had the momentum when they weren't in possession of quit. We'll get into it a little bit later with some of the kind of kamikaze defending that was going on for both sides at some points, but there's just those moments. And it's kind of the the difference with Unai Emery, isn't it, Dom? We're riding those tough moments out. We're not completely buckling under pressure. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, It's, it's a whole new feeling, isn't it? Because we're used to Villa sort of conceding a goal and then, you know, that's it. Even remember, I remember when we first came up, and I do think this is different because of the inexperience of the squad and the lack of gelling that happened. When we first came up, I remember the Tottenham game, the Arsenal 3-2 game against Unai Emery's Arsenal. Like, the, we, the way that we did not win that game was insane. But multiple games like that where we just should have held on, to, couldn't hold on to the lead, dropped valuable points, and it obviously put us in the relegation scrap later on. And then, even under Gerrard, I think there was plenty of times where the second Villa looked, looked once the goal was conceded, it was like, oh, okay, we're going to lose now. It was, it was, a, it, it was a mindset as well. It was obviously the coaching to get the team to play better on the counter and absorb pressure and soak it up and find the right moments and the right way to strike. It's fantastic, but I think it's the coaching mentality of the we can ride out a five ten minute storm like we did, and then when the game becomes a bit of a basketball game, which it did, we're going to make our counters count and. For all the criticism that Ollie Watkins might get for his finishing, and obviously he's had one today, which he should score, he's he's been the difference maker with that goal. That goal completely just sets us back in our way, and in in a way where Villa Villa of old would have crumbled. It's the quality up front that we've got to finish the chances that the quality of defenders, meaning that we're not conceding. If that makes sense, like. When we're coming under pressure now, we're not just conceding easily. We're fighting on, and then we've got the quality going forward to put teams to the sword and make those goals count. We did it against Crystal Palace as well, obviously. So it's it's phenomenal. It's it, the mentality of this team and the mindset of this team. That we will win in whatever way we have to win. We will score in whatever way we have to score. Is elite. There's no other word for it. Well, you can see with the way Villa are playing, Dom, there's plenty of thought that goes in behind it. And they're playing with a purpose. And I mean, the best way I can really exemplify that is, I mean, as much as I love Dean Smith, and especially under Jared at times as well, I would say Premier League days. So if we go in the championship, crossing is much more of a thing, of course, and more utilized in a higher success rate as well. But I thought of so many instances today where... I could think of Dougie was on the right and they're playing kind of a few little one twos and nothing was really good going to be unlocked. And I can think of how many times in the past that Villa just hoofed it into the box aimlessly to hope someone gets on it. They did that today a few times. Well, more than a few, but there was direction behind it. There was men in the box in the right areas. They were causing West Ham plenty of food for thought and a lot of trouble in those areas too. It just, it wasn't a hit and a hope per se, And for me, that's the biggest difference. It's you think they're going to just cross it in, takes two seconds, he passes it back, and he recycles play. I mean, it it sounds so simple, and you feel like every manager should be able to get that out of the players. But there's just that that calmness that's exemplified through Unai Emery. And it's even when it's the craziest moments, and there's a few of them today where everyone looked a little bit flustered, you saw him kind of on the camera as well, kind of pointing to his head and yelling at Dougie Louise to kind of calm everything down. It's having those players to be able to communicate via the manager to kind of transition that. And 
I know we always looked at Emmy Martinez as that player or Tyrone Mings. We're finally seeing it in the midfield. We're finally seeing it further up the pitch. And I feel like that's the biggest difference. Absolutely. You know, the way that Douglas Luiz has come about from the player that didn't understand the phrase man on in his debut against Bournemouth, which John McGinn famously said in an interview, um, to a midfielder I would describe as world-class um, in terms of being the complete midfield player and being the linchpin of that Villa team now. Yuri Tielemans, we talked about him before. I'm sorry, he does not get in his team over Douglas Louise. Um, you know, Louise was brilliant last season, but this season I didn't think he could improve again, and he has. And he keeps defying expectation year on year on year. Um, obviously he's broke he's he's got the club record now for six consecutive home games with goal. So that's fantastic. And in terms of what you were saying about the patience in the final third, it there's so many different ways you can think about it because it means we score brilliant, well-worked team combination goals. It means that instead of creating Watkins 10 chances where he might, you know, 10 bad chances, quote unquote, we're creating him one or two really good chances. And that's better. You know, if we put the ball in the box, we're just going to lose it again. And then we're then there on the counter. And another thing that I would say very briefly um, is this is the same kind of trap that I think fans fall into when they're, criticising Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey was so good when he came on and then he scored. And I was like, what What a substitute performance. He's at home, he gets the ball down the right, he does beat players, um, but he doesn't just dribble to the ball and just cross, hopefully, you know. He doesn't just run at as many people as possible or ping the ball forward to Watkins at the earliest available opportunity. He'll get the team up the pitch, check inside, evaluate his options, and sometimes he will pass it back. Sometimes he will go forward. But he's used... He's, his his decision making is improving so much, and that is the way that top wingers in these kind of football teams that Emery likes to play. That's how they play. It's not just pure risk taking. It's playing a bit more safely, and that means you can still be an attacking threat because it's actually improved his attacking output. It's just really good to see the composure, the quality, and the patience that, as you say. Emery's instilled into this team when it goes forward because it's making us score so many goals that I'm just thinking we are looking like a top team. Well, I mean, of course, and if if you look at the Premier League table very, very quickly, I'm sure most Villa fans have, of course, we're only two points off the top, sitting in uh, fifth place, of course, six wins, one draw and two losses on the season. My favorite part, of course, is the goal differential, 23 scored, 13 in terms of goals conceded goal difference, of course, obviously of 10, um, like I said, sitting on 19 points. And I mean, we're in company with, of course, most of your traditional top six these days. And maybe that is just where Villa belongs at this point. It's, I mean, in terms of as long as I've been a Villa fan, which is probably what 13 or so years now, I haven't experienced this. I I really haven't. This is, Something completely unique, I'm sure it is to you as well, Dom. And I mean, for us Villa fans of that age, or of course those abroad who followed a little bit later, like myself, it's it's uncomfortable almost to see Villa do this well. But it's it's one of those things where you can see things off the pitch are starting to get a little bit better. And um, of course, there's some room for debate, of course, in some areas of the fan base, and we won't really discuss that today, of course. But Everything is just coming up Unai Emery and Villa right now. And I I think for that, I mean, we have to thank the owners. We have to thank the manager. But I mean, like I said before, at the very start of this, it just 
today's win, it just felt like it's Villa's time, didn't it? it it's one of those things where it's finally clicked. And it's not a 2-1 win. It's a 4-1 win. It's... I, I don't yeah. know. I'm just, I'm too giddy to make sense. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, it, you know, it, you know, to put it in simple terms, we're not the main character now, which is an insane way to think about it. Um, I still think that in many ways we're perceived as underdogs because, you know, um, Newcastle get a lot of coverage for a lot of reasons. And um, obviously Brighton with Deserby, who's a brilliant manager, but he's, he's quite popular, isn't he? He's sort of the, he's sort of the tattle of the town. and he, He's earned that for his own merit, obviously. But, Villa haven't had that same love in, I don't think, because I think Emery, there's still an element of some sections of the English media and the general English footballing fan base that have memories of his time at Arsenal and their own slightly misinformed and slightly unfair opinions of that time as well, in my view, um, that dictate the way that they see Villa now. But I, I, I like it, Cole. Like, I like feeling like we're underappreciated, but only we know. Like it's the worst, like it's the worst kept secret in the world that we're actually now a Champions League contending team that are two points off the top. You know, looking into November, and listen, it's Villa. The wheels might fall off, things might go wrong. There will be more losses that come, but the progress is just continuing every single week. And the longer that the likes of Ollie Watkins and Musa Diaby play together. You know, Pau Torres as well, whose distribution from the back today was unbelievable. Um, you know, the longer those kinds of players are just bedded into the team and everything's working in one unit better because we are just looking on a, on a roll right now. And as I say, as you say, it's difficult to articulate. You're just sort of like, oh my God. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, Dom, I mean, to get off of this game in particular, I mean, it's a massive result, but it's amazing within a few years how we've talked about you know, a traditional Villa that I feel like that I've witnessed is we might get a win, a few losses, maybe a couple wins or a draw in there as well. And it's funny for the finer margins of where Villa are now, we can almost sit back and look at that Wolves draw pre-international um, break. And of course, if Watkins puts that one away off the post and the literally last kick of the game, we're tied for top of the league. It's it's mental to think about it that way. I feel like so many times in the past, I've looked at, oh, if we would have scored here, got that extra points, we would have been a little bit more comfortable early on in the season. It's just, it's those next steps we're taking so fast that I think, of course, it's it's kind of important to, pre- like, to put a lot of emphasis and preface that, like you said, Villa are going to have ups and downs this season. The downs are going to come 100%. at some point. It's how we react to that, of course. But the most important thing is we have to also temper expectation. We're not going to win every game. I think, obviously, there's just that group in every fan base that thinks if we don't score 10 goals, we don't win every game. And even if we do win, they still whinge. Unfortunately, there's a group of that in every fan base. But for the majority of us, I mean, I think we just have to enjoy it. Whether this is, which I, I don't think it is, whether it's a flash in the pan and we just win things this season and it's one to remember and it goes a little bit downhill from there or, or whether, which I think is more of the case, we're going to be going at this kind of momentum pace for at least a few seasons. I mean, we just have to enjoy it. And I think that's the most important thing, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, talking about silverware, I want that more than anything. I can't, you know, I can't tell you how much I want Villa to win silverware and every single fan who's listening to this now feels exactly the same. What I'm doing and I'll, you know, and what I think is a smart way of thinking about it is if we get so bogged up at the destination like that, we can't actually enjoy the journey. You know, 
we've had losses, even like obviously the four two home loss to Leicester, probably obviously Stevenage um was bad and then the one this season as well um obviously it's not great in terms of we've had lessons to be learned and and low points but that's what a journey is all about it's about having bad things because then as a team and even as a fan you learn things and that's what this whole era you know this what this whole era is epitomized by learning because the amount of learning that Emery's putting the team through the fans through getting them on side getting everything together in one direction and he's convinced everyone of his way through his manner and how intelligent he clearly is but obviously the main thing is just the results and everyone can see that week on week Villa goes stronger and stronger and stronger and as you say fine margins we could be sitting near top of the league at the moment and to be honest I'm happy to stop the season now fifth Champions League I would literally snap your hand off for that (laughs) it's just amazing though We've earned this, Cole, is the way I say it. We've earned this. Oh, my God. Have we ever? I, I <laughs> The fact that we had to endure the 15-16 season and the things that happened after, oh, we deserve this. And I know some people think, well, clubs get relegated every year. They have no clue. <laughs> if you really haven't paid attention to Villa, this awful. club shouldn't even be here right now. Like no, It was that no. close to going bust. So I would say it needs a documentary about it, but it needs... Each season could have had its own documentary of its own and a long documentary as well. We could have had an all or nothing, but like from, I'd say, 14-15 started with like the FA Cup final and then bring it into 15-16, relegation season, absolute calamity. Michael Richards arguing with fans at Wickham. 16-17, Villa are going to walk the league. We've signed Ross McCormack for 12 million. What a signing that is. <laughs> then we'll see what happened there. And then the next season, playoff final heartbreak. And then obviously the miracle season. And then everything that's happened since then, it's Villa's not a boring club to support. I don't think it's good for the heart, but <laughs> it's we've been on such an incredible journey that you can only appreciate it at how unpredictable and how exciting it is because it's it's taken so much effort from so many people to make this happen. And obviously, we're talking about one win, and we're still very early in the season. But I don't I don't even think it's just about that. I think. Wins like today, as you said earlier, just evidence and further reminders that how different things are now. And that's the main thing that I think fans want is the club to be run by competent people who care about the club and care about the community. And, you know, as you said, there's a couple of things that people can have criticisms about, but mostly that's that's been completely matched. And the feel-good times are back at Villa Park, even at the end when there's like the post-match scenes, man. I love that stuff so much. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, if it wasn't all or nothing, what do you think the Villa documentary would be called? I mean, I can think of documentary. I know there's a Swansea one. I think it's Jack to a King. There's a QPR one. I think it's like four-year plan or something like that. What do you think Villas would be titled? I think that's an interesting discussion here quickly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to hear what um, some of the listeners have to say on this. Because obviously they get a little bit, little bit longer to think about it for me. I think um, what happens next would be funny. <laughs> what happens <laughs> next? Because I don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know. What's gonna, like, even though it happened, we still don't know what's going to happen next. I think what happens next could be a good shout. And um, I know it's obviously too long, but you've got, I think you could fit the fallen giants are back on their feet thing into it. You know, that would be good. I think there's, there's also some good, um, some good history there. So I'd be interested to hear what the listeners have to say about that, because that's a good question. I have, a, I have a good contender. Do you want to bet against us? Ooh, I think that would be pretty good. Couldn't that be about 
80, 81, 81, 82, though. It could, but I mean, you could use that context. If you started yeah. right from relegation to now, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's what? a good contender. I think that is brilliant. I think that is better than mine. And I'm, shall we, I think let's do a little, let's let's contact Netflix or whoever it's going to be, Amazon Prime, get them down. We're doing, we're doing that documentary. Okay. We get the royalties. I'll take 5%, 5% each. I think that's fair. <laughs> I don't know yeah, how, I mean, how well that'll do, but we'll have to see. <laughs> Well, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, fair enough to that. Here's an interesting stat, Dom, of course, and I didn't even realize this till I read it. Uh, thank you, of course, uh, Villa Stato for this one. Aston Villa have not dropped a single point at home in the Premier League in eight months in four days. Fortress Villa Park. I mean, that's a true statement with that because to follow up in that context as well, he put out a further one, which I even more shocked about the only clubs in Europe, uh, Europe's big five leagues currently on longer winning runs at home than Aston Villa, which of course now is 11 are Manchester city 14. And can you guess the other one? Is that in England only or internationally? Internationally as well. Top five European leagues. Real Madrid. Very close. I'll give you three guesses in total. So you have two left. I'm struggling now. You were very close to the first one. I'll give you a hint. That's the okay, hint. so Barcelona then. No, Atletico Madrid on their own oh. 13. <laughs> wow. So That's there you go. I, I mean, it's, it's a mental stat though, isn't it? Oh, it's unbelievable because that's the kind of thing that like that you'd hear about like Jose Mourinho. He doesn't lose at home like when he had that ridiculous record over a number of seasons. Like To not drop points at home, I think that's since the 4-2 loss to Le- Leicester where fans were virtually booing the team for trying to play it from the back. What a transformation that is. Like, I was saying this earlier, that when Emery first came in, the more impressive thing was the away form. The away win against Tottenham stands out in my mind. The Chelsea one stands out as well. Even you know, towards the end, while this is a game that we went in expecting to win, the last-minute winner at Leicester was just amazing. Like We were really plucky, obviously Brighton as well. We were really plucky away from home and, sorry, yeah, and at home, it wasn't as consistent necessarily, but now it's almost swapped, doesn't it? And it's really interesting. It's just like, I mean, this is the consistency any football team would want, but I mean, we'll talk about it for a a moment here, of course. I mean, 11 wins on the balance at home. How long can you think of that we've been, I mean, we've not, we were dying out for a defensive midfielder for as long as I can remember. We have that, but to make, I mean, I think for any sports fan, whatever sport it is, you want your home territory to be a fortress. And I mean, it's yeah. a true thing with Villa Park and Villa. Why do you think that is? I know we can all say Una Emery, but do you, do you think there's more to it than that? I think, I think Emery's got to be the main reason because we've not seen that with any other Villa team. But it's not just Emery coaching the team per se. It's Emery getting everyone in direction on the same level. Like, that's why the atmosphere is improving and stuff like that. Um, the way the fans are really tuned into the way the team wants to play. Now, they know what to expect from a Villa home game now. And they got used to it and they trust Emery and they trust the players in a way that I don't think they did, as I say, back in those back in those home losses in January, February. But I think it's also just the momentum thing. And this is this is what, can you can do because look at Newcastle. Newcastle steamrolled us five one. Newcastle steamrolled PSG as well because of home form. That that the stadium and that atmosphere 
is ridiculous. And it's I think it's genuinely their biggest asset um, as, a, as, a, as a team because they're a really good, hardworking team. But they turned up to Villa Park and got trounced. And then we turned up to St. James's Park and got trounced. It's getting getting the home ground to just be adversarial. This is our ground. Even Brentford have done this to an extent, in my view, with their home form being really good, famously. If we can exploit that, we're, which we are doing, then the amount of points that we're going to pick up is just going to drastically increase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's... Like I said, I mean, I'm losing words for it. And I mean, even to when you look at the scoreline, like I've said before, 4-1, it's, of course, we look at Dougie Louise. We talked about him. We've briefly touched on Ollie Watkins, of course, a goal and an assist. McGinn gets an assist. I, I think the thing for me, Dom, looking at this one kind of quickly, Leon Bailey with the fourth, Tielemans with the assist on the fourth, both coming off the bench, both you would assume are going to play on Thursday against Alkmaar. I mean, one, it's an amazing thing in terms of momentum, self-confidence, yada, yada, yada. I mean, Tillman's had a really good international break for Belgium. Um, of course, any confidence with Bailey is much needed and valued. <laughs> we'll see how it is, of course, away from home because it just hasn't been a thing. So maybe yeah. that's nothing to really read into too much. But that fourth goal for me, it's just, I know you can say, and some other people could say, you know what, West Ham... They just took their their feet off the gas pedal even further and Villa just coasted or it was luck or whatever. I feel like it's more ruthlessness. It's let's score as many as we can. It's all valuable. I feel like some teams just, you know what, oh, it's 3-1. Let's just pass it around the back and have a day off. I loved how we just kept going for it. And even after that goal, I can think of Ollie running down the right-hand side, trying to go for a fifth, trying to cut it in. Of course, there's intercepted and that was it. For that one, that was probably one of the last notable um, attempts for especially Watkins and Villa as a whole in this game. But there's just that ruthlessness that we've been missing for so, so long. Of course, clinicalness as well, but it's that goal for me. I mean, what stands out for you on this one? When you, when you bring out this topic, what, you know, what, what comes to my mind is the ruthlessness that you talk about, but it's also you can see the players really, really enjoy playing at home, I think. Even when they celebrate, obviously when you celebrate, you look happy, but their body language, um, as you say, their just relentless desire to score goals is, uh, they're so used to winning at home now that they think, it doesn't matter who they're playing, we're going to put two or three past you at home. 
And in these home Premier League games, we just turn up and we just look like we're going to score, 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 score. And the players are loving it. You can see they're feeding off each other. They're feeding off the manager. And it's that, it's that kind of atmosphere and that kind of system that I think you and I have done a really good job of sort of cultivating in that everyone's feeding off each other. It's not just Emery sits down in a classroom and teaches them how to play football and suddenly everyone becomes better than they were. It's a mutually reinforcing thing. It's a it's a culture of of improvement of yourself and of your teammate. And it just extends across the whole team. And they look like a proper, well, well-drilled, well-gelled team that are professional and quality and absolutely love playing at Villa Park and love playing for Aston Villa. When's the last time all of those factors have been met? <laughs> Frankly, it's it's a Villa team that you know, people talk about the, I don't really like using these old cliches, but it's a Villa team that really does love the badge on the front as well as the name on the back. Do you know what I mean? They're not just, there are players that I think have played for us and some that still play for us now, obviously, and players that we sign now who want to just sort of play in the Premier League and stuff like that. But I think increasingly what we're seeing now is players are loving playing for Aston Villa. Douglas Louise is the best example with all the Arsenal interest as well. Players love playing for Aston Villa and the way they're playing at the moment and the manager that you've got who has a record improving every player who's ever, who's ever managed, especially young players. It's just the place to be. And Villa Park right now is just, again, it's the place to be. And Unai Emery is the main reason for that. The ruthlessness and the, the fun that they're all having there is just pure football. It's just great to see. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, the interesting thing as well, I mean, it was, it felt like we were, some, we were in some kind of weird alternative universe watching Dean Smith on Sky interview Unai Emery. Very, very weird, but very wholesome moment. I mean, at the very end, of course, Ollie Watkins came on and they talked about the goldfish thing again. And I mean, poor goldfish um, to to die on that one. Uh, Poor Ollie for not taking care of it. That story was told. The, The one thing that stuck out to me when they asked Ollie Watkins about kind of the difference underplaying for Dean Smith and how he performed compared to Unai Emery. And you could tell he had to take a second because I mean, I love Dean Smith. There's no, I have no hard feelings against him as well. I think he's a legend in my eyes for what he did for this football club in that period. And I, I think that has to be valued. But the one thing that he did mention was under Dean Smith, a lot of it was kind of running down the flanks. He would do anything for his teammates. Of course he still does that, but he was kind of further out wide holding up play, just trying to, get into any kind of moment he could. The thing with Una Emery, you can tell, and he kind of referenced this. I mean, of course, it's not word for word, but he's much more direct. He's staying more central. If he has a wide, he's cutting in kind of at more dangerous angles and kind of, of course, like his goal shooting um, with his left boot, of course, and smashing that one in. He's taking those opportunities when it counts. And of course, we could look at the first half when, I mean, he had a, a, a gimme and it didn't go in. Of course, he should have done better there, but there's there's clear differences there, and he's referencing that as well. But for you, Dom, I mean, when you look at it, what's the biggest difference for Ollie Watkins this season for you and just under Unai Emery in general? I think his confidence um, is apparent. And as you say, the, the job that he's doing is different. He's no longer having to go out wide because we sort of sat back and um, trying to get an out ball. He's in the box on the penalty spot or on the, in the six-yard line, in one of those two lines, making runs far post, near post, or turning a centre-half. 
Um, he's just getting into goal scoring positions. All he does now is the goal scorer. The work that he puts in is still magnificent, but the way Dean Smith sought to make use of that was recognising he had those attributes and trying to make him into a really well-rounded striker. Whereas Emery said, those attributes will come anyway. I'm just going to make him into a lethal goal scorer because that is what I want from my strikers. He made the decision very early on. It was one that I was supportive of, of selling Danny Ings. Um, and I think since then, when Oli Watkins has been the main number nine at Aston Villa, he's thrived under that responsibility. He doesn't have to be shoehorned into a formation and strike partnership that never really worked and never really should have been constructed, to be honest. Um, since coming out of that and working with Emery and just becoming that, that even again, I, I call back to mentality. He knows he's going to score now. He He's thinking like an England striker, which he is. He's thinking like a top striker that wants to get 20 goals. And he wants to be the person to do that. And I believe he has the ability to do it because the way we create chances and the way that even when he does miss, he still scores, which is what all the top strikers do because Harlan misses chances, but he still scores as well. He doesn't let those misses deter him anymore. And then he just has one bad game where he misses everything that comes his way. He puts it out of his mind and puts it right. And that's the sign of a top striker. And Dean Smith said on Sky earlier, Oli will have his dry runs and he will have his moments where he's lower on confidence and you need to pick him up a bit. But it's worth it because when he comes out of that, you know, we have the players now to make up that gap and we have the players now to make him enough chances that he will keep scoring. And he's someone who's been at the club for a long time has improved and is one of the biggest success stories, I think. He's a he's a really, really, really good striker. And I mean, his link of play with Diaby as well. I mean, oh, you yeah. can tell they've gelled so well so quickly. And I mean, this is just the beginning of this relationship. So we'll have to see how it goes. But I mean, it, it's something to behold. And like I've said in the past, nothing against Leon Bailey um, as of right now until I get frustrated with him again, most likely. Um, he is... Diaby is definitely the player we were hoping Leon Bailey would have been from the get-go. But, I mean, it's it, it's a different gravy. But the one thing I did want to bring up here quickly as well, because I did ask, of course, on Twitter for just kind of thoughts on the performance and all that kind of stuff. And two stood out for me, so I'll just read them out because I think it's important to give people that uh, interact with us shout-outs. We've already briefly discussed them, so I'll just read them out now. Uh, David Bladen says, ridiculously outstanding. We are a good team, and it means so much to be able to say that. And we've really honed in on the importance of embracing where Villa are now. And I think that's an important thing as well. And of course, Dr. AVFC saying we're very good at home. And he also mentions he's excited about the Diaby and Watkins link up too. Um, I mean, more of that to come, more goals to come, hopefully, and long may it continue. But let's go over to the three word reviews now on Twitter. Of course, you can tweet us post-match at 7500 Holt to get involved and that usually goes out five to ten minutes after the final whistle so let's get over to those and that's a little bit of a shout out to dom to get his three word review ready as well so let's start with uh, jazz singh who always gets involved saying unai is magic one aston villa in fucking incredible uh, nigel wv scoring for fun tim wise uh, says love our club Let's go to uh, Rich Baby Daddy, interesting name, uh, Step Over Mayhem, John Atkins, three points, thanks. Let's go to uh, Scott Wayne, Strong Positive Belief, Craig Hodgetts, Brilliant to Watch. Uh, I love this one. This actually might be the title of the podcast. John Burton, Forever Bursting Bubbles, uh, Ian Malpass, <laughs> Dean Smith, Pundit, 
uh iron boss we bossed hammers and let's do two more because why not uh steven shen eh, sorry steven shenton if i don't butcher that one sorry steven esri fucking konza and let's leave it with something that was very accurate today with uh, at least a couple of the goals from um at seth 410 saying top shelf goals so we'll leave that at that dom what's your three-word review future captain dougie I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. His quality, his leadership, as you say, Emery, his, he's sort of the on-field conductor. Um, his goal-scoring form has just completely got him into a whole new category as well. Um, I think he's someone who is he's been here for so long and worked through so much criticism and so many players have come in. I even think of Danny Drinkwater. I think of Morgan <laughs> Sanson players that the Villa recruitment team at one time thought we can who can either improve Douglas Dewey's or keep him out of the team. And now you're looking at a player who starts for pretty much every team in the league in my view. So he's a future captain, hopefully. I I want him to stay for a long time because watching him play football is a pleasure. We have come a long way from uh, bringing in Tom Carroll on loan. <laughs> that is for I, I watched him in person. I'm one of the, I'm one of I think forty thousand Villa fans who have, have done that of all because he played that one home game against Derby, I think. And then that was it. <laughs> uh, I mean, if anyone has a, a Tom Carroll Villa home shirt from that season, uh, keep that. That's a memento that no one will uh, probably ever remember or ever forget. If that makes any sense, I'm going to go with um, Dougie double delight. I knew it had to be something Douglas Louise esque. Yeah. Uh, maybe that'll be the uh, title of this podcast as well. I haven't really decided on that yet, but I mean, What's more to say about the man? He's a defensive midfielder. He's banging in the goals. Um, if you're a big FPL fan, he's basically this season's uh, Suchek. Um, if yeah. you're familiar with how Suchek was doing amazing a few seasons ago, especially for FPL owners as well with a cheap price. So to get a little bit of uh, FPL chat in there as well, because I do love that. And just before we wrap things up, Dom, let's talk about AZ Alkmaar, of course, on Thursday, everyone in the group is tied on three points, so it's fair game. It's going to be a tricky one. They won 3-0 on the weekend. They sit second in the Eredivisie, so they are flying. Crazy for a side note to see Ajax in a relegation scrap. Has nothing to do with this, but football is football. How are you feeling about this one? Because I feel like all Villa fans thought this was going to be the two games where we kind of really um, take measure of where Villa are in European competition, but where do you sit with it? I'm nervous, to be honest. They're in really good form. They're a good team. Um, there was a bit of drama, obviously, when they had um, Ledger in the last round of fixtures um, in terms of security and stuff like that. So make sure Villa fans who are going that you stay safe and stuff like that. But in terms of the game itself, you know, it's not always easy as well. You're the English team. You've got a load more money. You should win. Alkmaar, you know, we're, I said this before, um, we're every team's cup final and Alkmaar have got the quality to put a Villa side that has looked weaker in European competitions, frankly, um, to the sword. Um, and they're gonna they're going to fancy it. As you say, everything's evenly tied in the group stage, everyone on the same three points. So I'm nervous, um, especially considering our European form hasn't been amazing. Um but we should we should win. We should we should win, really. But if you offered me a draw before the game, would I take it? I'm not sure actually, would you? I've, I haven't thought about that. I always kind of thought if we get a draw and a win out of these two games because they're yeah, back to back, win. Yeah. massive. 
And I think that basically probably, maybe it's arrogant to say, because of course there's two teams in this group as well. I feel like if Villa got four points out of this, I think we'd basically win the group because I think there's enough momentum to carry into the last two. Yeah, I if I take draw win from the two, definitely. I'd agree with that. So a draw where no one gets injured, touch wood, and nothing crazy happens. Quite an uneventful game to prepare us to sc- put some goals past Luton on Sunday. That, that would suit me very nicely, actually. Well, 100%. We're going to see a little bit of rotation. I think we learned a lot of things against Sarinsky that there might be not as much as, as expected, which is fine right now because I think the squad can handle that. And I think we can actually afford um, to have a little bit of rotation going into the next Premier League fixture against Luton as well. So it, it's kind of a nice week when you're looking at it. You'd probably say and nothing against Luton, but AZ is probably the priority for this one. You would have to say, at least I would think so. But the thing I'm really interested to see with this one is if if they come at us flying, how they kind of approach this one. Because I feel like if Villa are able to sit back and they're going to absorb pressure and play on the counter, I really feel like that kind of suits us away in a different country. I don't really feel like Villa face that in the first two. I know people would say, kind of argue that against Legia. I think we just shot ourselves in the foot every single time. I don't think it was something that we were so under so, so much crazy pressure that we just buckled to their excellent attacking play. I, I just feel like that the games that I've seen Villa perform some of their best results in this season, aside from, of course, today against West Ham and Brighton, we played on the counter and sat back a few times. And uh, of course, I always think of that Newcastle result last season, and I'm not comparing them to AZ, but I feel like if we can play a little bit more on the counter, I, I think that'll suit us as well. Because, I mean, no offense. <laughs> They're not that great defensively in terms of European competition when I was looking statistically. And I mean, I guess that's maybe something to kind of look at in the greater context of things in this group as well, because no one really has been too. So we'll yeah. have to wait and see. But I mean, it's probably all set up for a draw that, now that I've said that. But it is what it is. What are you going for? Oh, yeah, I think it'll be a draw. I think it is risky to plan the counter, though. As as much as that's a good thing in these away games, equally, if we sit and plan the counter and then a goal comes because we're under a lot of pressure, we're 1-0 down away from home, it's leisure all over again and, and Villa are nowhere in Europe. So I would be very happy with us just... I, I prefer the Zrinski game to the Ledger game, not just in terms of result, but in terms of possession, how the game goes, especially the second half of that uh, Zrinski game, so... I think I think draw. I think draw. Let's take a draw, get a win on Sunday, win again Thursday, and we're we are flying. Really getting Europe back on track, converting those points that we should be getting in the league. Um, yeah, exciting. Absolutely. Well, hopefully it's another weekend of Villa positivity because I'm getting too used to it this season, Dom, and hopefully <laughs> it's a, a thing to come all season and we just have one of the best seasons that we can remember in uh, Villa fandom um, as of late. But anyways, of course, we'll leave things there. Thank you very much to Dom for joining me. Of course, it's always appreciated. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll have him back on very, very soon to chat with us. So Dom, if anyone wants to find you, where can they find you? Yeah, so the best place to find me really and my work is on Twitter, uh, DomPhillips02, wherein you'll be able to find my written portfolio of articles on my Substack, um, which is really interesting. I did some some work about the Legia Warsaw game, which I've really enjoyed. And there's an article about Jordan Henderson on there that is quite interesting talking about ethics in football. 
Um, obviously, got a broadcast showreel. Um, so keep an eye on Twitter as well for any appearances that I might be doing, including on this fantastic podcast that I hope to be back on very soon. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. And uh, thanks for having me on, Cole. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's always a joy to talk villa with you and anything with you of course anyways we'll leave things there of course i know i'm a a sweetheart but of course you can tweet us at or tweet me i should say at talk aston villa tweet the team at 7500 hold if you have anything you want us to read out email the poll podcast uh, holtcast at gmail.com if you have any written content you want to share with us and get it on the website itself it's 7500 to hold main at gmail.com but of course engage with us have some fun villa are good right now so let's just enjoy it um i don't want to say while we can um i'll just say just enjoy it i'm not putting any limit on this because when i do that typically it uh, just nips me in the backside but anyways we'll leave it there and don't forget up the villa Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 